Hi, you're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 93, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today, I'm going to be sharing five mindfulness practices for stressed out teachers. If you're looking for resources during this challenging time, head on over to technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about how to be more focused, productive, creative, and happy using technology. And sign up for our mailing list to receive a free guide on how to find balance and manage your technology use with mindfulness. And now back to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. As a teacher, there's a lot that's outside of your control. Testing requirements, new standards all the time, budget cuts, demanding parents, fluctuating between face-to-face teaching and managing a virtual classroom. It's no wonder that teacher stress levels are among the highest of any occupation, especially during the time of COVID. According to a study by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Nearly half of the surveyed educators have high daily stress, which compromises their health, sleep, quality of life, and teaching performance. And in an extensive survey called State of America Schools, the path to winning again in education, nearly 70% of teachers reported not feeling engaged in their work. Almost half experienced job-related stress daily. But I didn't have to tell you that teaching was a stressful job. The thing is, sometimes it feels like there's nothing you can do about it. But that couldn't be further from the truth. There's no magic answer or panacea. But what I'm here to share with you today is that a little bit of mindfulness can go a long way. There's definitely a lot that you can't control as a teacher. But there's also a lot that you can control such as your own response to daily stresses, both inside and outside of the classroom. And in order to give you some ideas that I hope you may find helpful, here are five mindfulness practices for teachers, all of which you can practice within just a few short minutes every day. Tip number one is to try out a guided mindfulness meditation. Patricia Jennings, author of Mindfulness for Teachers, suggests that a daily mindfulness practice can strengthen your awareness muscles so that you can be more composed and fully present in your classroom. However, if you're intimidated by doing a traditional seated meditation, guided meditations are an excellent alternative or at least a way to get started. After all, the best meditation is the one that you actually engage in. Also, check out the Mindful Teacher, which offers morning midday, and evening guided meditations specifically designed for teachers. Each of them is 10 minutes long, so they can easily be incorporated into your daily schedule. You can find the link to the Mindful Teacher in the resources section of our show notes for this episode. And you might also want to check out a mindfulness app like Headspace or Insight Timer or Calm. All of these offer free beginners courses and large numbers, in in some cases thousands, of guided meditations with different themes like stress reduction or sleep. And plus, for those moments when that one student is driving you crazy, 
all of them have an SOS feature for a quick mindful break. If you're just feeling stressed out and need a quick calm down. And just as an example, if you want to get started, Headspace offers a special rate just for educators, $12 a year. So that's a dollar a month. Tip number two is mindful walking. I always like to remind people that meditation doesn't have to be done while sitting. It can be done while moving. And one of the best mindfulness practices for teachers can be mindful walking. Sometimes called walking meditation. And we're not talking about the kind of walk where your mind whirls around with thoughts about parent-teacher conferences or the curriculum that you need to teach next week. Instead, mindful walking or walking meditation is a practice in which you focus your awareness on the present while walking. Some people find this a lot easier to stay focused during because the movement can help keep you from getting too wrapped up in thoughts that spiral out of control. Mindful walking can also be useful because directing your attention to walking is something you can do throughout your day. There's lots of times, even if most of the day you're sitting, there's lots of times you might be walking from one class to another or walking to or from your car into the school. Those might take a minute or two, but you can use those times to focus on the present, focus on your breath, focus on the movement of your body, get yourself into your body and perhaps a bit out of your head. Mindful Schools is an organization that offers a helpful set of guidelines for taking quick mindful walks, which we've also linked to in the show notes. Here's an example of how it works. You can choose a flat, open path that's just 10 to 20 paces long, plenty of places where I'm sure you can find that. Stand still, taking a few moments to feel your body before you start moving. Then walk at a comfortable pace, perhaps slightly slower than normal. You want to feel and pay attention to the direct sensations of your feet and legs moving and your feet making contact with the ground. And then draw your attention to the changing sensations in your feet as you walk. For example, heaviness or pressure, movement, temperature in your feet. With each step, feel the steady contact with the ground. And if you haven't had experience with mindfulness meditation, uh, you're not trying to change anything about how you walk. The intention here is merely to pay attention to and notice these feelings while you are walking. You're not trying to improve your walk in any way, make it better, analyze it, simply drawing your attention to the direct experience you are having, whatever that experience may be. And then if you notice that your mind is generating thoughts or stories or that you're getting wrapped up in, in thoughts, gently allow your mind to return to paying attention to the sensations of walking. When you reach the end of your walking path, stop and stand still again. You can take just a few moments to feel the body standing in a neutral state of rest on the ground. And then when you're ready to turn around, include the moments of turning in your awareness. In other words, draw your attention to your body while you're turning around. Take another short break of just a few moments, maybe one deep breath in and out before beginning to walk in the other direction. And that takes us to tip number three, which is 
breathing exercises, various types of breath-based meditation. For example, do you notice that if you pause for a few deep breaths when you're feeling stressed, that can help relieve the stress even just a little bit? Deep abdominal breathing, meaning letting the air go deep into your abdomen, can slow your heartbeat and lower and stabilize your blood pressure. This natural physical response can give you a clearer head. It also gives your brain the time it needs to make better decisions. And you can take one deep breath in and out slowly in maybe 10 seconds or less. Three deep breaths in less than half a minute doesn't take much time to have some positive impact on how you feel. And practicing mindful breathing can be done in the moment of feeling stress, but it doesn't have to be then. You can incorporate a mindful breathing into your daily routines. For example, you can practice when you're pouring your morning cup of coffee. Take three deep breaths before you take the first sip. Or maybe when you're just about to step out of the car in the morning, take three deep breaths. Before you open your classroom door, any time before you anticipate perhaps feeling stressed, you can take a few deep breaths and it doesn't take very long to set your body into that calmer state. And you may find that by practicing this kind of intentional, mindful, deep breathing regularly, it can, over time, develop into more of a natural response in a difficult situation, something you don't have to think about doing consciously. And it can bring you more peace as a result in your day-to-day routines when you are subject to stressful situations. Another way to practice deep breaths, if you have a little bit more time, one way you can practice deep breathing in a more extended way is to practice belly breathing. Uh, It's very easy to do, can be very relaxing. You can begin by sitting down or lying flat in a comfortable position. Put one hand on your belly, just below your ribs, and the other hand on your chest. Take a deep breath in through your nose and let your belly push your hand out as it expands with air. See if you can relax your chest so that your chest isn't heaving up while you breathe. Instead, it's your belly that's extending out on the in-breath. And then breathe out through pursed lips as if you were whistling. Feel the hand on your belly go in or down if you're laying down. And use that hand to assist in pushing all of the air out. And do this kind of deep in-breath into the belly and out through the belly three to ten times, depending on how much time you have. Take your time with each breath so that you can breathe in fully and exhale fully. And then notice how you feel at the end of the exercise. Here's tip number four, the body scan. This is often one of the first mindfulness exercises that people are taught when they're introduced to mindfulness meditation. And it pairs uh, extremely well with the belly breathing technique that we just described. We all carry different types of stresses in our bodies. It might be in the form of tense shoulders or a clenched jaw or an upset stomach. I very often feel stress in my chest, around my heart. It's different for everyone, and it can be different at different times. However, unless we take the time to notice it, most of the time we can be unaware of specifically where in our body 
we are carrying stress. We might have a general feeling of, of being stressed out or anxious, but not necessarily have a conscious awareness of where that feeling is in our body. And the body scan is a simple practice that can have many benefits. And one of them is that it can help you become aware of how each part of your body feels. Without necessarily trying to change any of those feelings, the very first aspect of the body scan is merely to draw your attention to feelings in your body. And you can find uh, extensive body scan instructions online and in the various uh, meditation apps, such as those that I mentioned. In general, the body scan involves slowly moving your attention from one part of your body to the next, usually starting either from your head and going down to your toes or in the opposite direction. And then at each part of your body, noticing any sensations such as tension, pressure, heat or cold, any tingling, you know, any kind of sensation. And this lingering on each part of your body and getting more in tune with what's happening. And often you'll find that you become aware of sensations and parts of your body that you were not aware of until you consciously drew your attention to those parts of your body. As I said, you can find guided meditations instructions online. Uh, YouTube is another place. Just search for guided body scan or body scan meditation and find one that works for you. You might have different ones that work at different times. You can do a body scan that lasts an hour if you want, or one that lasts five minutes, depending on your interest and your available time. Here's tip number five, journaling. Journaling is another one of the best mindfulness practices for teachers because it can help you process emotions and learn from experiences. Many people can get more in touch with their thoughts and feelings through the process of writing them down. I certainly am one of those people. It's very common. And you can write about anything, really, just let the, let the words flow. You could write, for example, about how you have felt in response to different events that happened throughout the day. You might journal about a particular issue you've been experienced that's been causing a lot of stress. You can just write uh, you know, an explanation of different things that happened that were meaningful to you. They don't have to be stressful. They could be positive, uh, joyful events that occurred. Find what works best for you. As an example, there's lots of uh, journaling exercises and processes out there. Uh, here's an example you can look at. It's a six-step journaling exercise from Patricia Jennings. First, think about a student you find challenging. Recall the last time that student did something that made teaching difficult for you or that brought up some unpleasant emotions in you. And write about what emotions does that memory elicit in you. Those emotions it elicits in you in the moment may be some of the same ones you felt when the event occurred. They might be different ones now, though. For example, do you feel annoyed or frustrated? Where do you feel that in your body? For example, is it through tense shoulders or grumbling in your stomach? Or do you feel your jaw clenching or you furrowing your brow? And write this down. The point is not to try to stop these feelings or fix them or change them. It's just to become aware of them, acknowledge them, and record them by writing. And then listen to the thoughts that come from these feelings. You might have 
some opinion or analysis or insight, perhaps, that you've drawn from this experience or from the feelings that have arisen from it. Write them down as they come to you. Over time, you may find patterns in your feelings, patterns in your thoughts. That can be really helpful if you keep journaling regularly over time. And those patterns might have been things that you would not have been aware of if you weren't journaling regularly. And becoming aware of patterns can help you then anticipate events before they happen, perhaps not react as strongly when events occur that are similar to ones that happened in the past. It can help you formulate some plans of action for dealing with difficult situations. You know, journaling can really do wonders for many people. It's not the case for everybody. You know, if you find that the process of journaling is creating more stress than it's helping you alleviate, or it just feels like another task or job, you don't have to do it. Part of what I hope for from this episode is to give you some ideas or suggestions for things that might work for you, and then for you to try them out and see which ones work best and keep the ones that do and drop the ones that don't. So in summary, these are five tips that many people have found to be good mindfulness practices for teachers specifically. They're good for people in general. Hope you can use them to empower yourself to better manage stress and tackle the really significant demands of the classroom. And they can help you enhance your well-being generally. And please remember to do whatever you can to take care of yourself so that you can be a mindful role model to your students and just to promote your own health. As a teacher, you have an attitude, a mindset, and a personality that's all about giving to and benefiting others. And I know it can be hard then to remember that you're a person who needs and deserves some care. For yourself, I know it can be then very hard for you to turn that kind of care and attention to yourself. So this is a reminder that you need to take some time to care for yourself, not spend 100% of your time, as great as it is, thinking about and attending to the needs of others. And in fact, caring for yourself will, will help you be able to care better for others if that's a helpful motivator. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin. Hope this podcast has been of value to you to help manage your stress both inside and outside of the classroom and to understand yourself better. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review and share the episode with your friends. And don't forget to also check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about how to be more focused, productive, creative, and happy using technology. And sign up for our mailing list to receive a free guide on how to find balance and manage your technology use with mindfulness. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast.